welcome to the Music with Mike podcast. Whether you are a music educator or simply a music lover, this podcast is for you. On the podcast, we talk about all things music from the first measure to the last. I'm your host, Mike Bossman. Welcome to another episode of the Music with Mike podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bossman. Whenever I meet someone new and they say, hey, what is it you do for a living? I usually say, well, I teach middle school music or I'm a music teacher. And they say, whoa, that's awesome. First thing they ask me, of course, is do you play the recorder? And I'm like, duh, of course I play the recorder. The second comment they always make is, oh, man, I used to play the clarinet or the violin or I used to sing, you know, when I was in high school or when I got into college, but I had to quit because I had to concentrate on my degree and business or English, whatever it might be. And once I got into the real world, I just said, I, I don't have time for it. Even though I used to love music, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And in my head, I used to always say, no, no, you can do both. Today in the podcast, we're going to explore that very topic. Can you do both? I sat down with my good friend, Matt, to find out. He is a full-time dental student and part-time musician. He plays the violin, piano. He comes home often to plays for his church. He's in a couple of, of bands that play and record music. And he does lots of random gigs for weddings in various places. I ask him what it's like to do both. To be a full-time student and a part-time musician. So dust off the old cello in the attic and take a listen to our conversation. Check, check. Can you hear me? Can. Sounds good. All right, you're on with Mike and Matt in the morning. This is our radio show. Just kidding. It's actually Music with Mike. But my guest is today is Matt Anderson. Matt, thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Matt and I used to always joke about having our own radio show, and so I just thought I'd try it out since this is as close to being on live radio as we're going to be. So, And just as the listeners beware, this is a disclaimer. We get pretty punny. Get pretty punny. So you might hear a lot Look of out. endless punny jokes, but... Uh, you can just fast forward those sections if you like as you're listening. <laughs> so you're live with Matt and Mike, and we're going to talk about all things music today, of course, from the first measure to the last. But specifically, I'm talking with Matt today because you are not a full-time musician. Is that right? That is correct. You know, I just part-time, doing it for fun. And so Matt is actually in dental school, which we'll get to later, and we'll pick his teeth about that later. <laughs> but, um, but first, we're going to talk about uh, kind of your background. So uh, how old were you when you started music? What instruments did you start? Give us give us the rundown. I was actually in uh, second grade, I believe, when my brother started playing an orchestra. He started on a violin himself and uh, always had, had followed his footsteps pretty closely. So I started playing the piano at that time uh, and, and really got into music that way. And then it wasn't until when I was in fourth grade that I started playing the violin. Um, and then I've been Was playing... that your first choice, the violin? It was, uh, probably because he was playing it. Um, and I, I wanted to do everything like my, my bigger brother at the time. Mm-hmm. So you did violin in fourth grade and you already had been playing piano. Correct. Yep. And then you kept, those are your two main instruments all the way through. Right? Yep. Uh, for a brief period in time, I was actually playing uh, percussion through middle school. And I, I kept that going and, and it was helpful having the piano background to play bells and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but then I decided I needed to focus in on what I was going to be, you know, really taking with me to the next level. And, and so I just stayed with violin, kept piano kind of um, on the side as well, though. But Did your brother continue in music? 
he played through college. Uh, my younger sister also plays the violin, so we're a family that uh, everybody plays. plays did you have Did orchestra. you have recitals at your house? We didn't at our house, no. But uh, we we did sometimes during Christmas. We would we would get together and we'd all play some Christmas music. But that's that's about the extent. Yeah. And what did your sister play? Uh, the violin as well. And she still plays, right? Yep, she still plays in in college. So did she play because you were playing? I would like to say that I was her <laughs> her inspiration. Yes. And so, uh, do your parents play any instruments? They played in when they were in college as well. I believe um, my dad had a brief moment in time when he played the piano, um, and then then he stopped uh, when his teacher quit play, or, uh, giving lessons. Uh, my mom, I believe, played saxophone for a little while. And so, as you move from elementary school to middle school, was was that something you wanted to continue, or something you were like kind of begrudgingly continuing? No, I was still pretty excited about uh, music at the time, and and um, yeah, I was I was happy to keep playing. I, I played um, percussion throughout all of middle school as well, so I was keeping very busy with with all three instruments or all three, you know. Um, yeah, I, I kept very busy with that. But. And what what did, what made your decision to play percussion? It was. I had a couple of good friends in elementary school who played the drum set, and I thought that was so cool. And who I, doesn't think drums are cool? I know. It was awesome. And my parents uh, were probably pretty wise in never buying me a drum set. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they decided that, you know, I, I needed to prove that I was going to be continuing with it long enough to, to you know, warrant buying an entire trap set for me. Um, but I, I enjoyed really being able to play the xylophone and, and different um, instruments that not everybody who was a percussionist was was willing to play. Um, and turns out I wasn't at, as good on the drums as I thought I thought I might Shoot. become. So Shoot. I know. <laughs> so was there a teacher in elementary, middle school, high school who you felt like really encouraged you to continue on or someone who you look back and say, I'm so glad they pushed me to keep going? Yeah, you know, I really I think both um, in the private school uh, or in the public school sorry um, we had some really great instructors at the time um, who really pushed us to be trying things that we weren't maybe comfortable with even instrument wise I mean on percussion I felt like I was always being pushed to try this new uh, technique or adding in you know when you're playing with just a couple of um, a couple of mallets and add in maybe the fourth third and fourth mallets and just trying things that I wasn't necessarily you know thinking I was capable of doing that was always that was always really helpful to be pushed a little bit, um, and then I d- it did take private lessons as well. On both, um, on all three instruments. Uh, never for percussion, but I did for piano and violin, and and I thought it was uh, really a good experience having not only the time in school with a full orchestra, or um, but also to have the time every single week a structured thirty or forty five minute lesson on on piano or violin, um, and I had some very very good instructors who were encouraging and um, always really tried to get me, you know, to take that next leap of faith and, and try something new and um, not be afraid to mess up. I think that was a really big thing, mm-hmm. you know, really big hurdle to get over is um, everybody strives to have you be perfect when you're playing. And I think at a young age, you, you think you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, you think you're so wor- worried about making a mistake because people are going to hear it and you're going to be embarrassed. But um, that's that's where your creativity comes from, I think. And that's where you really make great strides as a musician. I had a professor in college who always said to make confident mistakes. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna if you're gonna go for it, go big. That way, the teacher can help fix or direct you, or maybe whatever you did is perfect for the piece you're playing, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that you had those teachers. Did you take lessons all through high school? Then, yep i uh, I continued piano lessons, I believe, through about halfway through high school. 
Um, and then at that point, I was getting getting to the the point in my musical career where I felt like I really needed to focus in on one thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still playing the piano fairly regularly. I'd play at my church a little bit from time to time, um, playing hymns or different things. But what about um, hers? <laughs> no, 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 oh, hers. Okay. Uh, but uh, then I really decided that the violin was probably where I wanted to go and mm-hmm. and, and put place my emphasis. So. I uh, played and continued taking violin lessons through high school and then even through college. I continued with a private instructor. Perfect. On to college. Did you, when you were in high school, were you thinking about a music as a career or were you thinking about future dental school or did you have something else in your mind? What was your thought as you entered your final years of high school? You know, I, I knew probably all along that music was not going to be my emphasis and what I was going to be doing. Um, I kind of it took me a little while to decide on a career, but by the time I'd entered college, I knew that I was going to go into dental school. Um, and that was my, what I was going to aspire to do. But I really always wanted to keep music a pretty central part of, of my education. And, um, music at the end of high school anyway, became something that I would use as an outlet. And, um, I really felt that that was important to keep going. And, and, uh, throughout college, I would, I would still play at my church frequently and still play for, um, weddings, and you start to get all these other opportunities the longer you're playing and the more um, more comfortable you get with the instruments. And, and I felt like that was something that I really needed to hold true into myself. And I had a couple of very good role models that played um, in the Augustana Orchestra with mm-hmm. me. Uh, one was a retired doctor himself, and he said, you know, when you go off to medical school or dental school or whatever you're choosing to study, he said, make sure you take your instruments with you and make sure you keep them going. Cause he said, I had, he said he had friends that made fun of him in school for taking the time to practice because Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to have time to do anything else. But uh, he said that, that he really kept music going and that's really what got him through school. He needed something Mm -hmm. regular that he was comfortable with, could kind of completely take his mind off of his studies. um, And that helped him get through the week. And that is so true. I, I still, enjoy playing my instruments when I'm in school and even when I'm busy, you know, take out the keyboard for a little while mm-hmm. or, or play the violin for a bit. It's, it's really a necessary thing. So That's awesome. Sheesh. That was great. <laughs> Talk to us before we get into your stuff at more stuff at August at Augustana where we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talk to us about playing by ear. I'm curious how I've watched you play for a long time. You're just, and we'll talk about it a little bit later when we talk about um, some gigs you've played at, but where did, where did you develop that skill of playing by ear? I think that's hard for a lot of um, musicians to kind of master, and I feel like you do a very good job of it. So, what, what's your what's your thought process when you're doing that, or what? How did you learn to do that? You know, I really got thrown into that. I would say late in college when I started playing with a, a group that did some cover music, and they asked, "Hey, can you come come hang out with us mm-hmm. for a while and see what you can put up, put together for um, a violin on, on some of these parts?" And I said, "Okay," and I. Didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but you know, growing up, you start you you really always have a sheet of music in front of you, mm-hmm. and the notes are there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and, comforting. I think musicians find that comforting. Like, okay, there's my music. There's the notes I'm playing or I'm singing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've, to not have that really, I think, makes musicians kind of like okay. It freaks you out a little mm-hmm. bit. And and what it really uh, started to have a hard time with was sometimes I wouldn't have anything in front of me. I wouldn't have a chord progression or any anything to look at. And then, um, but we did play some things that were covers that I was familiar with and I, that had a violin part to them. Um, and so then I could try and listen to that and play along with that. And it, it actually came a little bit easier than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. 
but it really was a big change from having to from getting to play with music and having having that written out for you. I think I always had teachers say to me, you know, look at the director. You know, all of our mm-hmm. directors would always say, look, you mm-hmm. need to look up. This mm-hmm. isn't this music needs to come alive. You need to yeah. put some soul into it. And, mm-hmm. You know, and really, um, it adds more when you're not just reading the straight notes. Right. Um, exactly. And, and that was so true. When I I felt myself becoming more free, I think the less I had music in front of me. Um, but playing by ear is definitely a completely different ballgame, uh, and it takes a long time to really get comfortable with it. And still, at times, I'm I'm still not comfortable with mm-hmm. it. But it, it is a lot of fun, um, kind of trying to hear a part in your head and sing it in my own head, and then make that come to life um, on my actual instruments. It's like you're a composer. That's how I always think of it. Like that's how I always tell my students, like you're composing on the spot. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you're playing now, perhaps has never been played before. You know, Absolutely. and you're playing a part. They've never played for a song you've never heard or hear the chords, you know, like especially playing jazz or covers like that. Like, okay, we got G, C, D, G again. Go. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Free composing on the spot. Yeah. You know, I think that you mentioned jazz. I think that would have been a really helpful thing for me to be able to do is is maybe play in a jazz band where Mm -hmm. they do a lot of improvising like that. I never really had done that before, uh, but, but that's definitely where you'd start to develop that kind of a skill, I think. Awesome. So let's talk about college. Matt and I met at Augustana, then college, now university. Matt was actually DJing a dance. It's pretty sweet. I was, yeah. And so you had already mentioned you played with the Augustana Orchestra. What other activity or music did you do while you were getting your degree in biology? Biology. Okay, so you're getting your, your full-time biology student working on those classes and still playing in the orchestra. And what else did you do music-wise? Um, there was a quartet that I played with for a lot of weddings and, and various um, engagements like that. Um, and I also played a little bit at my church, which is still in Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoyed staying busy with that. I'd, I'd run over to church on Sunday mornings when I had a chance, some Wednesday night services. Uh, but it was a lot of time with the orchestra itself um, because they met three three days a week and I had lessons on top of that. And, and so that really kept me busy. So you took lessons still on the violin mm-hmm. while at Augustana. Yeah, that's correct. So how did you, to the point of this podcast, how did you as a biology student also taking lessons, also playing in your quartet, playing in the Augustana Orchestra, how do you balance all of that? How did you find balance in that process? You know, there are definitely weeks where you have to sacrifice one thing or another. Um, some, some weeks when we had concerts coming up and we had a lot of uh, extra rehearsal time or even just time in the practice room by myself where I needed to learn a a part that I was having trouble with, um, you really had to make a conscious effort to say, I'm, I'm going to take some time off from my studies for a little bit, and I'm going to focus on the music because that's, that's my next big deadline, and that's what I need to work towards. Um, and, and similarly, on the, you know, on the other side of it, I, I had some, days, some weeks sometimes where I really would hardly practice. But I think what help, helped me um, continue with everything was just the regularity of having three rehearsals a week and mm-hmm. I always had that lesson and, mm-hmm. and some some weeks I'd go without making too much progress but uh, my teachers were always pretty good at pushing me and saying you know uh, I really want you to be spending a little bit more time this next week because um, somebody told me once that for every day you take off it's going to take you two two days to, to make up for that and to make any forward progress with your music so yeah practicing is a is a tough beast to conquer especially when you're it's not your full-time gig. I mean, mm-hmm. For me, when I was studying music, it was just part of, it was almost a class without being a class. Like I just practiced, I was supposed to do. But as a person who's a biology student, having to do that on the side must have been difficult. You know, it was sometimes, but it, it also was a lot of fun. It was, uh, I think, a lot of science majors um, mm-hmm. 
don't typically, you know, take part in music throughout their entire education. Um, I did, I did have a few friends in the science building that would make the trek over for, with me after class to go mm-hmm. to rehearsals. And it was fun really to, to see the progress time after time, um, from rehearsal to rehearsal. Um, oftentimes our director would say, okay, but now by next time I want you to specifically look at this one page, you mm-hmm. know, your the violin section is, is not doing as well here as I want them to be. So that's your goal for next time. And if somebody's telling you, there's always, you know, they're always setting a bar that's a little bit further than where mm-hmm. you're at. You're going to spend time in the practice room because it's, um, we were not full-time musicians, but we were professional musicians and that's mm-hmm. what was expected of us. So if we were in the group, we needed to put, make an effort to make it, you know, to make music and make it well. How many, I'll put you on the spot here. I'm trying to think about my choirs at USD too. How many students would you say who are in the orchestra were not music majors? Do you happen to know offhand? I'm trying to think about. We probably had maybe of a choir of 30, 32, we probably had six or seven who are non-majors who sang in our top group. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you what would you say? In the orchestra, it was always interesting, I, and I don't know the exact numbers, but um, one, almost once a year we would take some time to recognize mm-hmm. all of the, the different um, seniors that were graduating. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they would always say is how many um, in the orchestra are, are non-majors, and he'd have everybody stand up, and all but about four or five would stand up. So wow. I would say out of maybe 30, 35 individuals, 30 of us weren't um, music majors. And, That's which so is cool. Pretty incredible. And mm-hmm. I think Augustana really does a good job at making sure that um, they're bringing in people from across the mm-hmm. board. And, and uh, I think that really adds a lot to the music. I think it, it adds some, some exciting things when you're having people who are just passionate about music. I think that mm-hmm. goes a long ways. Um, you don't have to study to be passionate about right, it. Right, right. How do you think other um, music majors felt about the non-majors being in the group? You know, I, I don't think there was any animosity at all. Mm-hmm. I think that we were we were all we all got along really well. Um, you could definitely tell the music majors um, had that extra level of just knowledge. They would they would know what was happening with the music, and and frequently they'd know what was happening with the whole score. Right. You know what the what what it was called when the you know, we were making our transition from this section to this section mm-hmm. in the piece. Um, and the director would often talk to them and kind of, it was almost a little ed- extra educational time for them. They'd, sure. they'd talk through the modulations that were happening and different mm-hmm. things. Um, and that was, that was some stuff that I didn't necessarily understand, but you really, everybody kind of benefits from it. I think we learned things. I, I had a couple of friends that were music majors that really taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, we all just fed off of each other and it was just a really educational time. So besides playing in the orchestra, you also played in a couple of other groups at -hmm. Augustana. So not only were you getting your major in biology, you were playing the orchestra, you were taking lessons, you were also playing in some groups for fun on the side. What was that like? It it was a completely different experience. Like I kind of had said earlier, that was when I was getting into some of the Mm. improvisational um, stuff and playing by ear and um, it, it, we played everything from I don't know Mumford and Sons to mm-hmm. Britney Spears I mean it was a it was a wide range of things and it was the first time in my life that I had played anything not truly classical I'd been I'm a classically trained musician playing in an orchestra and this was the first time that um, that I had to kind of go outside the box and, and learn how to play a completely new style of music so how do you adapt your violin to Britney Spears and to, I mean, Mumford and Sons, it's perfect. Right. Fits in great. But how do you adapt your violin playing two songs like Britney Spears? Um, you, you know, it, it's a little different. It looks a little bit different for every type of music that mm-hmm. you're playing. 
Um, but really, that going back to that whole just being confident in how you're playing. Because so, so there are times when you're you're going to try and make noises with your instrument that you've never really done before. Right. Um, and they're they're a little bit weird, but but I think it works. And I think sometimes you can adapt the song to fit our style a little bit more and, and make it more instrumental versus you know we've played some electronic type of music before mm-hmm. and um avici or something like that mm-hmm. and, and where they have synthesizers that is what i would make on right. you know the noises i'd make with my violin um i do have some different effects pedals and things that i can play with and i'm i'm kind of still experimenting with all that stuff mm-hmm. but for the most part i just like to play with my natural violin sound and, and try and kind of manipulate that a little bit to to mimic the sounds that i'm used to hearing with these popular songs and and, and what they do but and i can attest i've listened to him play many times and it's it fits in perfectly. You're yeah. like, oh, well, thank you. Sometimes you're like, you don't think of a violin in whatever piece you're playing, but it fits and it works. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It is fun. So you graduated in what year? 2014. So 2014, you graduated. And um, can we talk about a group that you uh, have played in and recorded with? The um, the Unnotables. The Unnotables, yep. Yeah. And so you're still playing with the Unnotables. Correct. And when this podcast airs, it'll be a few months from now, but you guys are playing at Jazz Fest coming up. That is true, yep. And so the Notables started while you were at a student, right? Yeah, they were under a slightly different name, um, but then when I was just about ready to graduate, they kind of formed the current group, and that was the Notables, yep. So I was I went back and when I was getting ready for this podcast and watched some of the White Wall sessions. What was that? I know a lot of people who listen to this will probably be in the Sioux Falls area and have heard of the White Wall sessions. Tell mm-hmm. us what that what that experience was like. Yeah, I, you know, we'd been contacted, uh, or maybe we reached out to them. I'm not sure how it mm-hmm. initially went, uh, but just talked to them about about getting together and recording some music for their show. And um, they really do highlight a lot of local artists. Um, yeah, they do. Which quite is a great. range of mm-hmm. artists. Yeah. You know, you hear all sorts of different kinds of music. Um, and we really, we didn't prepare for it. We didn't, I didn't know, really know what was going to be happening too much. Um, we've appeared on it twice now, I believe, oh, okay. two different seasons. Cool. And um, it, it's just a, it was a really cool experience. Everybody was so um, welcoming there and they got us all set up and um, we, yeah, just basically played through a set that we had, we had really put a lot of time into, played a, a number of songs that were recorded for both the radio and, and for their TV mm-hmm. broadcast. And um, it's, it's just a very raw sound that you get from them. They don't add effects to it. They don't mm-hmm. add lights or any kind of a show in the background. You just get the music, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. The focus is on, the music and, and the musicians that are there and and you just you play straight through your music and and that's what you get on tv and and that's what i think really makes it cool i'm totally a cheese factor when it comes to things like this but as as i was watching your videos and the camera pans across you as you're playing i mean mm-hmm. what was what was going through your mind because i i always just when a camera's on me i just cheese out and i smile big time like i can't yeah i would never be a good actor because of that i just cheese out but how do you, what was that like playing and having the camera follow you and you know, it was there was one guy off to I was on the left side of the stage, I believe, both both times that we recorded, and there was um, the cam- one of the cameramen sits right on the corner of the stage, mm-hmm. just out of the frame of the sh- of the main camera that that kind of shows, um, and it was so it was a little bit intimidating, I would say. <laughs> I just knowing I don't know where he's pointing his camera right, or what he's, right. but a lot of times they they do show very close up shots of the strings or your fingers. Yeah, yeah, they did, and um, sometimes really close shots on your face, and it. it you know, it was pretty nerve wracking, but just just knowing that uh, you 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 know if you've played things once correctly, mm-hmm. uh, you can probably do it again. And even if you never have played it correctly, you maybe you'll get lucky that when you're recording. Mm-hmm. 
but magical uh, happen. Yeah. So hope. Yeah. You know, it was it was fun, but it definitely is a little bit different when you know there are cameras on you. And um, so you guys did the white wall sessions, and then you also have a CD you recorded. Is that correct? Yeah, we have kind of an EP uh, uh, that we recorded back before we did the white wall sessions. Um, what was I know for? I was in a band in high school, and we spent several, several, several hours just practicing before we even got to the studio because studio mm-hmm. time is not cheap. You kind of have to come in like with your ducks in a row and ready to roll. What was that? What was that like? Did you guys spend a lot of time practicing or were you um, having to come in while you're still doing your studies? Yeah, we um, we put a lot of time in before we, we had kind of settled on a set list that we were going to be recording for that um, day. And we thought, you know, if we can get through, we spent, I think, one full afternoon in the recording studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got everything set up and, and uh, the producer we were working with was just a phenomenal phenomenal guy to work with um had everything ready to go for us right away when we got in and um yeah it was definitely a lot of time practicing before that and again we didn't have video cameras on us but every noise we made was recorded and Mm -hmm. uh, our goal was to create something that we could hand out to different places right um and say hey this is what we sound like exactly live you Mm -hmm. know we didn't want to create any additional sounds that we couldn't produce um as our core group in a live performance uh so it, it was a very raw recording as well um, and I think that's kind of what made it um, special was that we weren't at spending a ton of time adding in multiple layers of guitars we were just yeah, doing cool. what we would do live um, but we spent several hours in there we recorded I think originally four songs and we had about a half hour left and um, Corey the lead singer in the Unnotable said you know we have time for one more and, and then he and I kind of did a more stripped down song with just the two of us and, hmm. and then a percussionist in the background um, that we hadn't really prepared too much so mm-hmm. that was a little bit scary as well and <laughs> i mean when i listen to it i can always pick up on sure. some things i would rather do differently but i think that that's a very real version of what you're going to get anytime you hear us live you know and, and any band live really i mean that's right. part of the live experience is just kind of knowing where it, where it goes and what's going to happen yeah i wonder if uh, if actual you know professional artists hear mistakes in their music on the radio i've kind of wondered that before if they that's hear a great question do they know something's wrong or is it doctored enough where it's it's perfect? Yeah, I would imagine they'd always hear things that they wish they would have done a little differently, but I don't know. You know, I am a big Queen fan and I'm going to see Queen tomorrow. Of course, this will air a long time from now, but <laughs> there's an interview with Brian May, a guitarist, and he talks about, um, it's a video where he shows like how to play some of his, you know, mm-hmm. best guitar lines. And he had mentioned in one of them, he goes, well, I really wanted it to end this way, but in the recording, it did this. I, looking back, he's like, kind of wish it would have ended this way and so he played it the new way in there which was kind of fun so that's a great question though if, yeah was, if they listen to it and say oh i messed up here mm-hmm. i mean you, you you do every you know you play songs enough times that you have a lot of different versions of things and mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. in the recording studio at least by you know with my limited experience it things come out a little bit differently mm-hmm. and you just kind of go with it you just go with it and then that's the that's what you have that's the take that's so. what happens fascinating so, uh, moving on from the Notables, you've graduated from Augustana. Mm-hmm. Still play with them on the side. We were kind of talking before we started recording about what it's like being a uh, a musician in general who gets asked to play at various gigs and things. And, um, you know, the musician's always the one who has to sing Happy Birthday at, mm-hmm. you know, birthday gatherings. And and um, I was talking to Matt about a gig he played where they said, hey, will you come down and play? And Matt's like, sure, sure. And so they get to this gig and he's like, all right, you're starting the song. Yeah, it was a country song that I was asked <laughs> to start. And I'm 
personally not a big fan of country. Um, everybody kind of thinks I would be since I play the violin, mm-hmm. which, you know, fiddle That is true. So. That's a true fact, isn't it? Like, you play the violin, you're, you're supposed to be a country fan. Right. I'm... Or know, like, every piece of classical music. Mm-hmm. And neither is true in my case. <laughs> so, yeah, I got asked to start this this country piece, and he said, do you know it? And I said, nope, I have no, I've never heard this before. And he said, well, it's in G, so go with that. Yeah. So you just start kind of making something up. Um, and it wasn't until after the gig that I got out to my car and I listened to it and went, okay, well, that's how it was supposed to go. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that, that does happen when you're playing a, a live show, um, especially with groups that I'm not, I don't normally play with. Yeah, what's that like playing with groups that you don't normally play with? I mean, you you were again before we start recording, we we're talking about <clears throat> some other events where you get asked, "Hey, come, will you come play with this group?" I mean, what's it like to show up with musicians you've never met before and play with them? What's that experience like? It's it's pretty fun. A lot of times, I'll kind of try and do my research on it before, mm-hmm. listen to what they've played in the past, if I can find recordings online, um, and and you just show up with an open mind and knowing that you know it's not my group and I I'm gonna just be open and and play to the best of my ability, whatever style of music they're wanting me to do. Um, sometimes I've played with groups where they tell me the songs we're going to play. And other times they'll say, Hey, can we have you play on one song with us? And then after I do that, they say, you want to stick around for a little while and play some more. Um, so then you're doing back you're going back to that improv and you're just mm-hmm. making things up and playing with it, but it's fun. Now, Matt and I did play together one time. We did open mic at, uh, Solberg? No. Berg, Berg, Berg Soccer, yeah, Berg Soccer Hall. Yeah. So that would have been 2012, maybe? 12, somewhere. Yeah, we played Wagon Wheel. So if you were there, it's great. It was a great recording, great yeah. time playing it that. It was a packed house, so I'm sure yeah, def- a lot of our listeners were... Maybe I'd... 10 or 12 people total, yep. but it was it was really fun. <laughs> How do you decide now, because you still get asked to play at various things. How do you mm-hmm. decide? You're in dental school now. Mm-hmm. You've completed year one. Year one, yep. Year, year one. one is done. How do you decide now, like, oof. Do I have time to do this? Do I don't? What, you know, what, how do you make that call? You know, it's hard now that I, I live in Minneapolis and it, it's about a four hour drive to get back home. Um, I have to really work and look out at my schedule. Um, I've thought I can think of a few wedding gigs for this summer that I had to turn down. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing that, you know, even if I can physically be in town, will I have the energy to, to do it justice? I think I really have to uh, consider whether or not um, I can, you know, if I'm playing for a bride and groom, I, I want to be on top of my game Mm -hmm. and have things prepared Uh, so it's not just about making sure that i have time in my schedule to physically make it there it's whether or not i'll have time to prepare for it ahead of time and 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 make sure that i'm ready for it have you been able to during your first year so obviously you're off in the summertime during your first full year were you able to pick up your violin much not a whole lot um i was i live in an apartment with very thin walls and (laughs) uh neighbors that i didn't really want to test you know Mm -hmm. their limits on but I did. I was able to play a few times um, at school. Actually, we did a, a couple of performances uh, with with some different students for special events and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But you know, when otherwise, when I would come back home for a weekend, I try and play with my church praise team as much as I can. Yeah, it's you know a very low um, stress environment. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. will forgive you. You're at church after uh, all. I mean, absolutely. Um, and, and so <laughs> it's just it's fun to go back and play songs I'm familiar with. You hear them on the radio. Yep. Um, or there'll be hymns and, and it's just not, it doesn't really require much practice time. I might take it out a few days, you know, the few hours or a few minutes the night before and run through something that I may not be completely sure about, but just trying to find little ways to, to keep playing is important. So I'm going to ask you a really deep, deep question here. See if I can get it worded just right. right. You're in dental school. How do you think music you're playing music through throughout your life until now has 
how do, how do you think that helps you in being a great dental student? You know, I think there's a certain amount of discipline that goes into uh, being a musician. You mm-hmm. have to be very judicious with your time. Um, and when you're practicing, you don't just set aside 45 minutes and have no goal, right. you know, nothing. You just, mm-hmm. you don't just play randomly. Um, you're usually working on a, a passage or two and really trying to get those nailed down. Mm-hmm. The same is true of dental school. When I go into the lab after class or uh, if I'm studying for an exam, I usually have a very specific goal in mind and, and mm-hmm. set these these miniature deadlines in for myself that, mm-hmm. okay, by this time I need to master this technique mm-hmm. um, or learn this topic by this time so that I can get through everything. Um, I think it's helped me a lot with my manual dexterity, um, oh, yeah. knowing what I'm doing with the instruments, oh, I hadn't uh, thought about the that. dental instruments, not yeah. my music instruments. Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, I think it really, it really has helped me in a lot of different ways and probably ways that I'm not even realizing. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say definitely with the um, discipline of, of being a musician, that's helped me a lot. So I meet a lot of people who, you know, at bank or the grocery store or wherever who are like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I teach, you know, middle school music. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I used to play the clarinet mm-hmm. until I got into, you know, through high school and I got into college. I was like, ah, you know, I just I just kind of gave it up. Or I used to sing in chorus, but, I, you know, I don't anymore. And for someone like you who, you know, and their their reason is, well, I didn't really feel like I had time or um, I didn't know what to do. Or what do, you, what do you say to someone who would say that to you? Like, and you, I mean, you're someone who's continued it on. It's not your primary thing that you do. Obviously, you're going to be a dentist, um, dentist someday. But what do you say to people like that who would, who say that to me, which they do all the time? So what what can I say to them? You know, it, it's kind of as a musician, I think it's kind of sad to hear that a little bit. It's so sad. Um, I feel I feel like it's disheartening. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's something that I can't really completely um, understand because mm-hmm. for me. I think it's easy sometimes when I'm busy to give up my music for a little while, mm-hmm. but I always feel like I, I come back to that when I'm most stressed out and when I'm most tired, I just think I need to pick up my violin for a little bit mm-hmm. and play or mm-hmm. even just listening to music sometimes, um, listening to things that I've played or things that I'd like to play or mm-hmm. um, just music is, is such a central part of, of my life. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You know. Well, I love how you said that it doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to spend hours a mm-hmm. week playing you know pick it up you play a little bit here and there at nighttime maybe before bed or something like that or yeah playing along with your favorite recording or you have a favorite song like trying to figure out like let's say your clarinet's your instrument like if your favorite song is whatever like how oh, can i play a clarinet with this or mm-hmm. just ways to keep it interesting and fun i think is what are ways that you can keep playing past high school past college right to keep your instrument in your hand and there are so many community things and i'm sure in minneapolis and lots and sioux falls you can be a part of mm-hmm. outside of that that i think people are like ah you know i'm not I'm not real good anymore and but you keep playing a few hours a week and, and you're going to be fine yeah absolutely i think uh back to last year i was actually teaching one of my roommates how to play piano oh yeah he had played a little bit here and there uh-huh. so he's kind of familiar but mm-hmm. he didn't really read music much so i went through the whole exercise of writing out every single finger the fingerings for mm-hmm. all the notes on a couple of songs and we worked for a good part of the year to learn this this one song um and so it, it, anybody can have even the slightest bit of a passion for music and, and and can pursue it i mean he didn't want to be a full-fledged musician but um thought music was was kind of a good outlet for him as well and so we worked towards that together so i think even musicians can help people who aren't as serious about it um, find an appreciation for, the for music. sure and there are so many professionals 
CEOs and things like that who still, I always think of Albert Einstein because mm-hmm. he's, you know, the famous one who said, you know, I think in music and there's pictures of him playing violin. And I mean, it's just a way for him to kind of clear his mind and to maybe when he was playing violin, he came up with, you know, theory of relativity. I don't know. Probably. Who knows? I would imagine. Yeah. Of course he did. So Matt, fast forward, however many years it takes to get through dental school. I don't know. Um, and you're through your professional dentist, mm-hmm. Matt Anderson, DDS. How do you think music's going to play a part in your life then? What do you think? Do, do, do a little forecasting for us. You know, I, I think that it'll probably, if anything, be helpful to relate with patients. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about music, at least when I was working at a dental office before starting school, mm-hmm. there are so many patients that would come through the doors and they'd be talking about um, this upcoming gig that they had or, or um, you know, a, group, a new group that they were discovering and they'd, they'd be listening to music on their phone and you just kind of talk to them about mm-hmm. what they're listening to. It's just, it's fun to talk you know, talk about music with other people. And, and, um, uh, I think that I definitely would like to keep playing music on the side, whether that's at my church when I'm wherever I'm at practicing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just finding ways to stay active with it. And, and I may not have as much time as I hope for it, but like we'd said earlier, you know, any, any bit of time you can give to it, just keep it going. I mean, I had one idea, maybe, you know, patients sometimes are a little not at ease when they've, you know, go to the dentist, you can just come in and play your violin. I think that'd you know be great. I mean? Yeah, Just, even in the waiting room, yeah. I could have a piano out there. Yeah, know, that's a great idea. I, people, they have pianos in the mall sometimes. And Why not at, at like doctor's office? And I mean, I know at Mayo Clinic, they have a piano that people can just come up and play. Mm-hmm. You should have that in your office. I think that's a great idea. Wow, such a great idea. So I love to end the podcast by asking every every guest the same question, and I didn't I didn't give Matt a chance to think about this, but Matt, what is it you're listening to now? that you just can't stop listening to whatever it might be. What do you got in your oh, car and wow. repeats or what do you, what song has caught your ear right now? Boy, you know, I listen to a lot of random stuff depending on what mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say quite honestly, the song I was teaching my roommate was mm-hmm. something just like this by um, Coldplay and Chainsmokers probably. Okay. And um, that one is just, I think ingrained into my memory because I think I have heard that several thousand times <laughs> over the past few months. And there's really not a lot to that song. It's a very simple song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's fun is that in trying to teach him how to play this, uh, I, I really, he, he kind of let me have free reign on, on my violin or something mm-hmm. to try and play along with him to give mm-hmm. him something to play with. So um, I can do a lot of different variations of that song. Um, it's kind of ingrained in my head. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Matt. It was fun to hear your insights as a person who's, um, not a full-time musician, but is able to still go to dental school and do all the things that you do. Trust me, he's a busy man, and he still finds time to play his music. And I hope that listeners out there who are listening, if you're someone who doesn't, who played music in high school or elementary school or whatever, that you go up there, dust it off, get it out of the attic. It's never too late. And 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 get it tuned up and, and start playing, because it isn't too late. So Matt, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This podcast is sponsored by Complete Drywall Services. For all your hang, tape, texture, and finish needs, call Troy at 605-261-4845 or find Complete Drywall on Facebook. Thank you, Matt, for being a part of the show today. Thank you, the audience, for listening and coming back for episode two. Thank you to our sponsor, Complete Drywall Services. Check out Troy on Facebook or give him a call. Special thanks goes to Lori and Roger Hogstad. I forgot to mention them in the first podcast. Sorry about that. Music on the podcast provided by Broke for Free and is used with permission. And hey, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and share with your friends. 
Next week on the podcast, we talk all things choral with Dr. David Holdhusen, chair of the music department down at U.S. Dean, director of choral activities. You want to come back and listen for that one. And hey, what are you listening to? What do you have on repeat? Find me on social media, Music with Mike SD on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and let me know. We'll see you next time.